When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. The only daily Premier League podcast. This is Football Social Daily. Hello there and welcome to Tuesday's edition of the Football Social Daily. We are back in business after a little break over the bank holiday weekend here in the UK. But in true Premier League end of season style, it couldn't really have been any shorter as we are hanging on tight for the final few weeks of the Premier League campaign. And much like ourselves, the average top flight footballer is also pedal to the metal with midweek Premier League action continuing in the absence of of the Champions League. And as Tuesday night excitement goes, Tuesdays are not always the most exciting, but tonight it does not get any better. Trade market, because forget about Liverpool and Manchester City, Pep Guardiola versus Jurgen Klopp, because tonight is the real deal. Liverpool, Manchester United at Anfield. Liverpool obviously on course for a strong end to the season, but United will be determined to preserve their 99 treble as the ultimate benchmark in English football. That's all to come in part one, the big one on Merseyside. And then in part two, we'll be continuing with a bit of a Liverpool theme as Dutch star Virgil van Dijk has claimed it will be almost, not impossible, almost impossible for Liverpool to win four trophies. So we'll be taking a look at the latest picture for Liverpool in the weeks ahead and seeing whether it is almost impossible, impossible, possible or somewhere in between. And then to wrap it up, we are on transfer duty. Big report overnight from the Daily Mail is that Pep Guardiola has told Manchester City to do whatever it takes to get 
Erling Haaland to the Etihad this summer. And according to the report, it is an eye-watering amount of money on the table to bring the Norwegian to the Premier League. So, plenty to get through, so let's crack on. No rest for the wicked in the end of season running. My name's Fergal Brennan, and on Tuesday duty, we have Marley Anderson. Ice bats, or just bats filled with Easter eggs? Marley, how are you getting on? <laughs> uh, yeah, just recovering from the slight chocolate coma I've had over this weekend, <laughs> but uh, we're getting there, ready to go again after into this final push of the season. Indeed, indeed. Joel, it's been a hopefully nice, relaxing weekend for you, but a bit of a stressful start to the week. Liverpool at home to your beloved Manchester United. Yeah, I mean, hay fever season started already now to make matters worse. And then obviously we have to play Liverpool tonight. So yeah, it's all just coming in at once, isn't it? It's like lightning just strikes three times. So um, yeah, that's how life's going at the moment. Well, at least if your eyes are watering uh, full-time tonight, you can blame it on the hay fever. Even if you get done 5 <laughs> exactly. 10 nil, you can just say that it's the hay fever and not, and not Liverpool winning. Um, obviously, I'm going to throw this across to you first. As a United fan, this is the big one. And I mentioned it in the interview uh, interview intro there about Liverpool and Manchester City and their push for honours this season and all this chat about it being the new rivalry, the biggest Premier League rivalry. But when it comes to an inter-Premier League rivalry or an inter-English football rivalry, it doesn't get any bigger than Liverpool against Manchester United. But going into this, the numbers do not look good for Manchester United. Obviously, 5-0 defeat early this season at Old Trafford. United haven't won against Liverpool since 2018 in the Premier League. And they haven't won in the Premier League at Anfield since 2016. So it's it's looking tense. It's not looking great. Obviously, United getting themselves back to winning ways at the weekend against Norwich. But... That is uh, not the greatest run of form. They've only won two in the last eight. Liverpool, as you mentioned, pushing potentially for four trophies this season. It's going to be, best case scenario, nervous for United tonight. Worst case scenario, a bloodbath. Well, you say that it couldn't get any bigger than this, but I'd also say the gap couldn't get any bigger at the moment because the two teams are just so far apart in terms of quality, in terms of structure, in terms of desire to win things it couldn't be any bigger right now and that's the thing that worries me I think you know last night Fergal I think I was twitching in my dreams of having the prospects of Salah and Mane against Tellers and Dallow which is not the nicest um, matchup considering how the form they've been in in the last few games so well saying that though Salah is in the worst goal scoring drought of his career so far I think he has one goal in his last 12 games which is a little bit nice considering in his last game against United he got a hat trick at, at Old Trafford so it's it's a game where I just believe in my opinion judging on the last few games like against Norwich where they're the team who scored the lowest amount in the Premier League and they just looked like they were going to continue scoring against us um, <clears throat> scoring two goals at Old Trafford it just shows where we are as a team where the defence is it's hopeless at the moment and I just truly believe that this game tonight is just going to be damage limitation. I really, if, if if this was a team where we had lots of players who were still committed to the club, because let's not forget as well, there's probably around five players who will start tonight who will be going in the summer or they know 100% they'll be going in the summer. There's not, I don't see a much committed 
force that we have right now and if the tables were a little bit different then i'd maybe say you know they have the, the the will they have the motivation to go and get something considering the fact that one their rivals are nearly 20 points ahead of them two the fact that they had to endure that embarrassing 5-0 defeat at old trafford uh, around five months ago i mean and then obviously the biggest motivation is the fact that it could hopefully i pray to god put to sleep all of this quadruple treble nonsense that I've been hearing for the last weeks, um, which really needs to die down a little bit. But, you know, there's so many motivations there, but I think motivation only gets you so far because one team is well-drilled, well-run, has top, top quality plays, and the other team is just a bit of a mess. So I don't really have massive amounts of expectation apart from the fact that we can potentially put a bleep in here, but tells our way to a nil-nil draw and just hope for the best because our defence is just so, so weak and in attack against their defence, I just don't see how we're going to penetrate it. So it's a game of, for, in my opinion, just hoping that we can ride out the waves more, the, more often than most teams have this season, but it's going to be such a difficult task. But like I say, the motivation's there, the prize is there to hopefully get something out of the game if if only a point, um, just because, you know, like you say, it's one of the biggest rivalries in the world, this, and if they roll over again, they're going to lose so much respect from the fans if if they could lose even more this season based on the performances. Mali, looking at the, the team news and the potential changes that Ralph Rangnick or Jurgen Klopp could make, that just underlines the gap between them because FA Cup semi-final at the weekend Joel Matip, Jordan Henderson and Diogo Jota were all rested from the start Henderson and Jota came on in the second half whereas United can only bring back Rafa Varane he missed the weekend win over Norwich with a minor little knock but they've got four or five first team players out but even on their bench you look at the players that could have come on or did come on against Norwich at the weekend Juan Mata, Nemanja Matic these are not really players that are going to inject a massive amount of urgency or freshness into a team, whereas Klopp can turn to his bench and bring on maybe not necessarily world-class players, but definitely Premier League-class players that are rested, that are fresh, that have might only played 15-20 minutes at the weekend. And if that doesn't work, he can then swap it back out again and bring on a Roberto Firmino, a Thiago, a Naby Keita, an Ibrahima Kanate, who's turned from a centre-back into a centre-forward. Yeah, I think um, that's that's the difference between the sides. I think there's one's a squad and one's a group of individuals, and Man United are certainly the latter of that. Because even though there's talent in that squad, they're not they're not playing as if they're, you know, like like Joel said, you know, a few of them are going. Um, they don't seem to be playing like a squad. They haven't all season, and that's why they're twenty points behind the rivals. Um, they would want to be at least level with Chelsea, really, at, at the worst. If, at the start of this season, if you say, you know, what's the what's the aim for Man United? It would easily be to be as close to the top two who look like runaway trains as you can. And you, you see them this season and it's all sort of culminating in in the last um game against Liverpool where they got smashed five nil and it could have been more. Um and then tonight, you know, there has to be a, a reaction to that and there has to be the embarrassment to to spur them on a bit and to to say right, this is not happening again because you know we're we're not that bad. Um, but you know, re- realistically, in the last 
month or two months, you know, Man United have looked like they could concede at any moment, could lose to anyone, you know, as Jules said before, you know, Norwich, the lowest scoring team in the league, they came and scored two away at Man United and almost completed a, a comeback until Ronaldo bailed them out. And, you know, then, then you look into the the sort of team news tonight like will Ronaldo even play after what's happened in his in his personal life last night that he announced on on social media with his his his, his baby unfortunately passing away but you know yeah, I, everything points to just an absolute massacre to be honest um i'm almost tempted to um stick like stick a quid on man united winning at like 7 to 1 or something like that just because football's mental but it uh, even thinking about that it's just that's just a waste you might as well just ch- go and chuck a coin at a seagull on the <laughs> on the seafront or something it's pointless you might as well just chuck that quid away um so it's yeah everything points to a liverpool win but having said all that if man united can somehow um, scramble a win from somewhere it could give them the, the momentum they need to, to head into the last stage of this season and more importantly next season uh, We should obviously update the situation on Ronaldo Marley mentioned there that Cristiano Ronaldo and his partner Georgina Rodriguez confirmed on social media last night that the sad passing of their baby boy United have confirmed this morning that they are in communication with Ronaldo the statement says that they expect him to be fit and ready to play at Anfield tonight However, they are in communications with him and they'll make a decision later today. But incredibly sad news uh, surrounding Ronaldo and his and his family. Flicking back to the picture in terms of United and what this will mean for them between now and the end of the season. Joel, we're going to talk about Liverpool in a bit more detail after the break and what a win for them could mean in the push for one, two, three, four potentially trophies this season. But Manchester United, in terms of where they are in the Premier League, going into this, fifth in the table, 32 games played, 54 points Three points behind Spurs in fourth. They're ahead of Arsenal as it stands on goal difference. But if they were to lose tonight, that would give Arsenal two games in hand on them going into the running as they look to chase down Spurs and look to get themselves in the top four. If United do lose at Anfield tonight, is that the top four gone? Well, I believe that the top four has gone regardless just because of the way they're playing at the moment. Every single game, you pretty much know what you're going to get, which is just a gutless performance. The defence just looks like they've met each other for the first time and there's just zero cohesion. And when you look at the next three games, obviously Liverpool, super tough game. Not many teams can even score at Anfield, let alone get a victory there. Um, The next three games are Liverpool... Chelsea, uh, sorry, Liverpool, Arsenal away, then Chelsea at home. And they're three defining games, really. Obviously, the Chelsea game got rearranged because they got to the final of the FA Cup. So, I mean, they're three defining uh, games of the season, aren't they? After, after, And they're all in the space of nine days. So in the next nine days, the season will be pretty much done, in my opinion. Um, and I just, well, on the flip side as well, when you look at the fact that Spurs and Arsenal both been defeated by Potter, <laughs> I'm not talking about Harry Potter, I'm talking about Graham Potter because he's been working his magic in North London, but um, he's he's really got a stronghold on the North of London. But this is what I mean, even though Brighton literally have nothing to play for, they still put out two amazing performances against two really good sides. So... Obviously, we still have the North London derby to come. Arsenal still have to play their game in hand against Chelsea. Spurs still have to go away to Anfield. There's going to be, I, I, in my opinion, I do think that around six points, six or seven points will probably do it for you to get into the top four. 
just because there's just so much inconsistency where literally no one wants it. It's the same in Serie A at the moment where every team like Juventus and um, Roma seem to be continuously bottling their games, even though the top four is there for them to take. Um, So I just think there's just way too many twists and turns to go. And I just don't think there'll be that many points needed to actually get that top four position. But um, as for Liverpool... I still don't... When you looked at their fixture list coming up to the final games, everyone looked at that United game and the Everton game. But on paper, obviously, United and Everton, everyone thinks, oh, tough games. They're not the same. Everton and Manchester United are probably having their worst ever seasons in the in a top flight in the last 30 years, easily. So these are games that I think for Liverpool aren't even the hardest games. I think the games that they're probably worried about are potentially that Spurs at home one, the Aston Villa away one, maybe even Newcastle away just because at least Newcastle now are on a bit of an upward trajectory so I just don't really see these two games as being a, an obstacle for them because Liverpool know exactly what they had to do and you know what I just want to point out as well that Jurgen Klopp in his press conference was doing everything he could to praise this United side and give <laughs> us a false sense of security when inside I know for sure he knows that this is a game that is well in his possession in his control it's like when Guardiola comes out and says you know when they, when they smash a side 6-0 and he says oh that was the best team you've ever played no Guardiola you're just trying to basically make out like the other team actually had a chance so I hope this United team aren't listening to his words and thinking oh wow we actually are a good side because they're not and if they want to prove anything to themselves and the fans tonight um, go away with a bit of pride from this season then this is the stage to do it at um, so you know it'll be a tough game but yeah Liverpool have um, it's a big game for Liverpool don't get me wrong uh, rousing message for United United players from, from Joel Tudor there don't listen to anyone saying anything nice to you before a massive game away <laughs> at, at Anfield Marley call this for us it's been difficult for Manchester United this season it's been difficult in general uh, in trips to uh, Anfield in the last few years but one little crumb of comfort three of the last five Premier League trips to Anfield have ended nil-nil and I think Joel and a lot of United fans would take a nil-nil tonight if it stopped Liverpool winning the league and kept them just about in the top four race, have they got a chance? I think Joel would probably lose a, probably give up a finger to uh, to have uh, United get a nil nil draw tonight. To be honest, um, yeah, I, I mean, I can't, I can't go against what it, what it looks like it might be. You know, Liverpool are probably the best team in the world at the minute. Um, it's literally you could get a cigarette paper between them and Man City, but um, in terms of just how far away they are to to everyone else is 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 mental really. So um, yeah, I, I can't see Man United holding even a, a candle to them. Um, so I think Liverpool will probably win three nil, three nil, four nil maybe. I think it'll be similar to the performance at Old Trafford earlier this season where they just romped away with it and. Man, you uh, were powerless to resist, really. Joel, would you give United a candle in the night? Oh God, I don't know. I wouldn't give them anything in the night. <laughs> Terrible at the moment. Um, obviously, I can't predict that we're going to lose, so I'm going to say a hard-fought nil-nil, a nil-nil draw. Um, but inside, I think you both know how I feel about this. <laughs> yeah, I think, well, no, you know, you're going with the maths and the maths does say that it's going to be nil-nil. I don't think this will be the bloodbath that I hinted right at the start. That was just a bit of a joke. But I think Liverpool will have more than enough to win and they've got a big, big few games coming up. Everton this weekend and then Bidi Real next, weekend, uh, next week sorry, in uh, in the Champions League. So I'm going to go Liverpool 
2-0 uh, and that obviously puts Liverpool top of the table overnight uh, I think that's a perfect point to uh, take a break because we're going to be talking about Liverpool in a bit more detail after the break Virgil van Dijk has said it will be almost impossible for them to win all four trophies but Three points tonight will put them top of the Premier League for just a second time in 2022. They've got an FA Cup final to look forward to and a Champions League semi-final. So we're going to be digging into that and seeing if Liverpool can do the impossible and win the quadruple. We'll be back in just a sec. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Welcome back to Tuesday's edition of the Football Social Daily. Another packed midweek schedule of Premier League games. We've reviewed, uh, sorry, previewed Manchester United's trip to Anfield tonight. Liverpool pushing to get themselves top of the Premier League table, and Manchester United looking to stay in the top four race. But Liverpool have got their eye on history this season, Marley. And Virgil van Dijk in an interview earlier this week has said that it will be almost impossible for them to win all four major trophies. Now, Joel, I don't need to remind you, Manchester United are the current pace setters when it comes to historical moments in English football. The 1999 treble has never been matched and never been beaten by another English side. Manchester City cannot do it this season. Liverpool put them out of the FA Cup at the weekend. So it's Jurgen Klopp and Liverpool that can challenge that position. And, and Van Dijk was quite measured about it. And he said, all this talk about a quadruple or a treble, that comes from the outside. We don't want to put any extra pressure on ourselves. It's something that everybody dreams about to win every competition and lift every trophy. But we'll see what happens. Anything can happen and other teams are right in the mix. Before we look at some of the games and some of the details, there does seem to be something genuinely, close your ears to this, Joel, there does seem to be something genuinely historical about what Liverpool are doing. The next few weeks will decide whether they do it or not. Do you get the sense that this is the time where the stone gets moved? Well, if you put if I put my rivalry bias aside and just look at it objectively, this is the closest chance I think a team will ever come and has come to getting anywhere near that treble because obviously you know FA Cup final they're in Champions League 
semi-final against Villarreal, which is a winnable game, winnable two games for them, which could um, put them into the Champions League final. The one point off Champ- uh, Manchester City in the Premier League. I mean, you don't have to be, um, you don't have to have a rivalry to see that this is a, a genuine chance for them to actually not even just go for. Oh yeah, it would be the. I was going to say go for the treble, but it would be a quadruple, wouldn't it? So, it's 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 a massive chance for them. Um, obviously, they have now. The, I think one of the biggest signings they had was Luis Diaz just because now we're seeing Mo Salah kind of wean off a little bit this year. Um, obviously, one goal is not in his last 12 games. And I think bringing someone in like him, if they ever, if they do it, or even if they do like the double, for example, regardless of what they win this season, he has been a massive piece of business for them. And they have Tottenham to thank for that because they pretty much shot them into gear and brought forward the transfer plans because he was meant for the summer. So... They're just in the past. It's not been possible by teams because obviously, when you look at the Manchester United side that won the treble, they had probably four strikers who were all in double digits: you had Teddy Sheringham, Andy Cole, Dwight York, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, and all of them were chipping in with the goals. And then when you look at Liverpool, you have Mane, Salah, you have Diogo Jota, and now Luis Diaz, and obviously Roberto Firmino as well. So it's kind of a, a bit of similarities, similarities in terms of their goal contributions, which I think is absolutely necessary when you're going for trophies on all four fronts. And when you look at abroad, when teams have won the treble, for example, Jose Mourinho's uh, Inter Milan side, where you had Diego Melito, Samuel Eto'o, um, it just went on and on and on. Wesley Schneider was a guy who was chipping in. You, you have to have at least four players who are going to contribute to the big games and the big goals because they can't play every single game and contribute non-stop. So objectively, they have the best chance in 20 odd years to win it whether they'll do it I mean that game against Chelsea in the FA Cup final I don't think that's straightforward at all because that's Chelsea's season right there pretty much that's their silver line into their to the end of the season it's going to be massive for them um and I also in the Champions League is not straightforward as well if they come up against I think Manchester City in the final that's a that's a difficult prospect in itself so of course we can talk about it now and it is incredibly difficult just to win to to win the double let alone a quadruple but I mean when you look at their squad objectively they do have all the tools they need to go go on and win it but I think you do need a little bit of luck to fall in your place as well as we've seen with you know the United scoring two goals in two minutes you do need these moments and it remains to be seen if they have those moments in them. Joel you've done me a massive favour there because I've been able to do a quick Wikipedia search and as it stands Liverpool's front three of Jota, Mane and Salah have already outscored that United 99 uh, treble team in Premier League alone. 48 goals between them three so far this season compared to 47 between Andy Cole, Dwight York and Oli Gunnar Solskjaer. So as it stands, they do have one goal above them already. I don't have time to do all competitions. I'll try and do that before the end of the show. But Mali. Looking at it for Liverpool, it is a difficult run-in. They've got a huge amount of games. They're fighting across all fronts. But you do get the sense that it is now or never. Because currently, no injuries. Touch wood. Liverpool fans won't forgive me if, if I jinx that and someone gets injured tonight. But looking at their list of games, United at home tonight, Everton at home at the weekend, Real at home midweek. They then go to Newcastle. They then go to Spain to play Real. Tottenham at home, Villa away, Southampton away, and then Wolves at home on the final game of the season. Do you see them dropping any Premier League points? We can't, we can't gauge the Champions League. It's a knockout competition. The final against Chelsea is a one-off. 
Do you see them dropping any Premier League points between now and the end of the season? Yes, I do. Um, I don't know where because, you know, you can't go into a... As I said before, I think Liverpool and City are the best teams in the world by an absolute mile. So I can't say that, you know, they're going to drop points away at Aston Villa or whatever. Um, But I think they they will drop points just because... To do the quadruple, you know, it's never been done and it's never been done for a reason. You know, I think we get to a point in a lot of seasons recently, um, we've done it with Man City for the last two years where we where it gets to sort of March or April and we go, oh, they're still in everything. Could this be the season where somebody does it? But until somebody does it, you can't expect a team to do it sort of thing. Um, you can't sit here with any confidence and say Liverpool are going to win every game from now until the end of the season because it only takes you know one mistake or one you know inspired performance by an Everton for example who who were fighting for their lives or a Newcastle that haven't been beaten since before Christmas at home and their atmosphere at, at our stadium you know it's, it's it's insane at the minute so they'd fancy that as well and, and jamming a, a spoke in the in the wheels of, of a title challenge and a quadruple challenge sort of thing so I can't see it. I can't see them doing it, but you know, all logic suggests that I don't know which game they're going to lose or drop points in to to give something away. But I think City have got the slightly easier running, um, and I think City are probably going to benefit from not being in the FA Cup as well now um, and have that slight bit of freshness. And you know, Klopp loves to loves to moan, doesn't he, about how many subs you can't make and all the rest of it and how congested the fixture schedule is and the irony of that is he's got to run that gauntlet and, and uh, win all the games if he's going to do something that no one else has ever done in in football uh, in English football history so it's um, it's something they, I think they will slip up but I'm just not sure where basically um, but I, I still think they'll, they'll finish the season with at least two trophies um, and uh, they're already halfway there to that by like right now so I think there'll be another one come, come May Okay, we're going to go predictions, but like long distance predictions between now and the end of the campaign. You're going for two trophies, Marley. I'll swing back to you in a second to get the specifics on that. But Joel, before going into tonight's game, Liverpool have got seven games in the Premier League between now and the end of the season. They've got an FA Cup final against Chelsea, a Champions League semi final against BD Real, and then potentially either Real Madrid or uh, Manchester City in the final at the end of the campaign. How many trophies do Liverpool end the season with, and which ones do they get? I think that they only win. I think that I do think they'll win the Champions League again. Um, I just think that in a one-off game, if they do play, for example, Manchester City, I do think they'll win that. But I think Chelsea will win the FA Cup, and I still think that City are going to go on a rampage in the Premier League and just win all their games. So yeah, wishful thinking in my case, but I do think they'll win the two trophies this year. So League Cup and Champions League. Yeah. Okay, Marley, you said two as well. Which two are they getting? Uh, I think they'll get the the FA Cup, um, and I think they've obviously they've already got the League Cup, and that's it. I think in a one-off game, I think the only time we've seen City play Liverpool in a one-off game is the um, is the league game last uh, like two weeks ago, whatever it was, and I think City dominated that game. I know it ended two-two, but City could have had six or seven quite easily in that game. Um, if you look at the FA Cup, there was a lot of changes um, for for City, and I think that really hindered them. Um, I think in the general, 
level of when the game when the teams play each other the the majority of the game goes towards City so if they do meet in the Champions League final I think it'll be City that that do it and I think City will get the Premier League as well because of that slightly more favourable running um, and then I think Liverpool will beat Chelsea in the FA Cup final and obviously they've already won the Carabao Cup so I think uh, it'll be two for two and then maybe we've got to have a one-off sort of game, <laughs> like invent a trophy or something and say, well, someone's got to win more trophies than the other one this season. So. Well, like, well, like the one that UEFA gave Lewandowski because <laughs> <laughs> he couldn't win the Ballon d'Or. <laughs> yeah, maybe, yeah. So, yeah, it's um, it's two for two for me, but yeah. I'm going to go with two slash three. Obviously, they've got the EFL Cup already. I agree with both of you. I think in a one-off game, that situation Klopp really, really likes and, and he thrives and this Liverpool team does as well. So if they get through to the final, whether it's Real Madrid or it's Manchester City, I'd back them to win it. The little caveat I would say about the FA Cup is that if they avoid any nonsense against Villarreal and get through to the final and they're still in the title race, if it's still just a point between them or they're winning in the title race, I think they'll beat Chelsea. I think if they're out of the Premier League title race by that stage, I think that might have taken the domestic um, momentum out of them. So that would be my little caveat. If they're still in the title race, I think they'll beat Chelsea. If they're not... I think Chelsea will do them because Chelsea, similarly to uh, to Jurgen Klopp and Liverpool, one-off games they seem to thrive. So that's that's my take. Two and a half, two point five. I'll get I'll give Liverpool. So I'll go slightly better than uh, than you two. But either way, it's probably more than likely going to be a fantastic end to the campaign if you are a Liverpool fan, which Joel, you're obviously not. So we're going to move on and we're going to take a break because we don't want Joel getting too upset about what's uh, incoming at Anfield tonight. After the break, we're going into transfers. That doesn't upset anybody and particularly not Manchester City. Big report overnight is that the deal is done to bring Erling Haaland to the Etihad this summer. The amount of money involved is wild. We're going to be getting stuck into all of that and plus a big story at the Emirates surrounding Alexandre Lacazette. All to come in just a sec. Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to luckylandslots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. 
Welcome back to the Football Social Daily Tuesday edition and I'm getting used to saying this now but I'm going to throw it in again. We are the award-winning Football Social Daily. Big, big reward for lots of hard work this season. If you've been a fan of the show, if you've been a regular listener, if you voted for us in the awards, thank you so much for your support so far. If you are new to it though, hit subscribe up the top and you can get access to a brand new show as soon as it is ready. All the way between now and the end of the campaign, here on the Football Social Daily, we are with you every step of the way. Right, let's get back to it and uh, transfers. So, Marley, as a fan of a club with a huge amount of money sloshing around, I think you're perfectly qualified to comment on this. But it doesn't involve Newcastle United. It involves Manchester City and Erling Haaland. This is coming from Mike Keegan from the Daily Mail, which is that the deal to bring Haaland to City this summer is effectively done. Pep Guardiola has apparently spoken to the higher-ups at Manchester City and said he wants it done, whatever it takes, get Haaland to the club. And the amount of money being mentioned is wild. So that's kind of where I want to get to on this. We know that Har Erling Haaland has this release clause in and around 75 million pound 75 million euros, sorry. That's just a starting point in negotiations because Dortmund are likely to ask a little bit more. The agent fees involved for both his dad, Alfinger Haaland and Mina Raiola are massive and his contract alone, according to this report, will make him the highest paid player in the history of the Premier League. Now, there's always speculation about these types of things, but the rough figure is around £400,000 to £420,000 a week when you throw in bonuses and add-ons, etc. Is it worth it? Is this going to basically what Twitter exploded with last night? Is this going to end the Premier League? Is this game set and match? Forget about Liverpool this season or Manchester United or Arsenal or Chelsea or whoever. If Haaland comes in on this ridiculous amount of money, is that it? Is that done? Is that the rest of the 19 teams just saying, it's all yours? Could well be. Um, I think with... The thing is, with Haaland, like, it's this much money now, or it's even more next year, and it's even more the year after that, because his contract, you know, there's, the, there's all this talk of this clause that... Um, apparently goes up to 130 million next summer or something like that. So, you know, it's kind of like now or never. Um, and even with um, even even if you you sort of ignored contracts and and waited until Erling Haaland was free, you've still got to give uh, you know uh, a signing on fee so large now that it's not even. It's you know free as we all know a free transfer is not a free transfer these days. You've got to basically pay a transfer fee to the player. Um, it's not it's not beyond the the um, sort of logic that you pay a player twenty thirty million pounds to them as a signing on fee. Like so even even with this this clause where it is now, you know I think it's it's a case of yeah now or never for. For, for Man City because financially why would you wait another year you, you still need a striker in your squad I would still argue that I think they'd be further clear in the Premier League if they had a striker um, if they'd signed a striker last year if they'd signed Haaland last year or, or even in January um, but it's it's one of them where they've they've probably weighed it up and they've got to take FFP into uh, into consideration and you know do the sums and make sure everything balances out over a a set period of time and stuff like that and they've clearly done it if if these reports are true and I, I do believe that they are true um, and I think it's 
it's best for everyone that City sign Haaland. I like the narrative of him playing for his his uh, his dad's old club. Um, I like the everything about it really, um, other than the thought of Newcastle coming up against Erling Haaland next season and him smashing thirteen goals in three games against us. So it's um, it's one of them where I I want to see it. I want to see the best players play in the Premier League, regardless of who they play for, really. So. He's one of the best players in the world. He's an absolute freak of a striker. Um, Man City are already a ridiculous team without him. So let's uh, let's go a bit dreamy and, and see what he can do. They can do with him. Looking at it from a United perspective, um, Joel, you must be looking at this and saying we don't know who the manager is going to be next season. United will have money to spend, but they're not going to be in a position to bring in an Erling Haaland based on the transfer fee, based on these these wages that we've discussed. I must say, I've said four hundred to four twenty. Some reports are saying five hundred a week, but journalists that you would probably take their word for have said that's a bit extreme it probably is likely to be more um, more around the £400,000 mark which is absolutely crazy when you think about it and Haaland looking at his numbers he is an absolute goal machine since he's gone to Borussia Dortmund 41 in 41 last season and 25 in 26 so far this season hear me out on this though is he the type of striker that Manchester City need they really wanted Harry Kane last summer and you can see some aspects of Harry Kane's game that fit perfectly into what Manchester City want. The way that Manchester City play, the fact that probably 17, 18 teams play a low block against them in the Premier League, similar situation in the Champions League. Is he the right type of striker or the right type of forward player for what they need? Well, he's what they should be going for because every other team next season is going to be strengthening even more to try and catch whoever are the champions this season. And obviously, when you look at their team this year, you wouldn't even, everyone kind of forgets that they've not had a striker all season. They've had no out and out number nine, unless, you know, sometimes Gabriel Jesus plays there. But apart from that, they've managed really successfully. And that's always happened, especially um, when Guardiola was at Barcelona. Obviously, Messi is the the guy who's the anomaly where he basically counts for about five different players how good he is or how good he was when he was with Guardiola but the way I see it is just I wouldn't want him anywhere near United and that's not me saying it in a bitter sense it's just the fact that after we've seen the kind of pandemonium and circus around Pogba and all the noises that are always coming out of the his camp and Raiola who we know is his agent I just don't think it's necessary anymore to just have that attention on the club because he's only 21 years old. In three to four years, what's to say that Real Madrid come calling if he ends up carrying on his trajectory and then all this commotion starts again about where he's going and pay rises and I just I, I just I can't be bothered with it anymore it's just it's unnecessary distraction and it's the reason why Pogba will probably be going as well but I saw an interesting stat about Haaland which I didn't even realize and that's between the ages of 18 to 21 he was out injured for a total of 204 days in his career and when you compare that to Benzema between the ages of 22 and 24, uh, sorry, 22 and 34, so 13 years, he was out for 382 days. And Ronaldo, aged 24 to 33 at Madrid, was only out for 224 days. So Hartland clearly has some kind of injury issues at the moment, and he has for the last few years, which is quite alarming considering the fact that both Benzema and Ronaldo in over 
13 years have, have literally only missed another 130 days. So that's something that I think is wise to keep an eye on. Maybe he'll kind of come out of it a little bit, but getting injuries that much at an early age is pretty alarming, as we see, you know, with Michael Owen, for example, who was kind of that flash-in-the-pan type player, got a ballon d'or, was scoring incredible goals for Liverpool and for England, and then suddenly he just kind of weaned off a little bit. You would hope that he would be able to overcome these kind of issues, but at that age, you would be expecting to play majority of the games, and he's had major issues this season with um, with Dortmund. But I want to say with Haaland, players coming from the Bundesliga, I'm always very, very wary. I know that he's very successful in the Champions League, as Sebastian Aller is this season, as Luis Adriano was for Shakhtar Donetsk. I don't think it accounts for too much. I think it's the fact that the Bundesliga is such a massive step down from the Premier League in terms of the pace, in terms of everything. When we've seen Kai Havertz come to Chelsea, it took a while for him to adapt. Jadon Sancho looked incredible, was putting out ridiculous numbers for Dortmund and he's taken a while to adapt at United. Um, I do think he'll take a while to adapt at City, but then again, you know, their system is pretty much on a plate for a striker, isn't it? In terms of just putting the ball in the back of the net with the way they dominate games. But um, it's, it's a massive amount of money, but they, it was clear from last summer that they wanted a striker at all means necessary when Kane was the, the main target. And that's why I'm surprised they went for Grealish. But I think this is a necessary step for them to try and maintain their dominance a little bit. Marley, from the thrills and spills of gazillions being sloshed around at Manchester City to bring Erling Haaland to the club to a free transfer exit at Arsenal and it's Alexandre Lacazette and not necessarily the free transfer is, is the point of interest over the last couple of days. It's an interview that he's done with uh, French TV channel Canal+. Plus. Lacazette has been in talks with Arsenal to extend his contract. His deal runs out at the end of the season. Arsenal fans, myself included, I've been fairly torn over what we think Mikel Arteta should do. He has been impressive in fits and starts this season. He's been a leader and he's been an experienced presence in what's a very, very young Arsenal team. But this interview and what he has said probably couldn't have come at a worse time. He said, I'm in discussions with a lot of clubs as it stands. I've never cut contact with Leon since I left the club. I've always said that I would try to return to the club once or twice a year to see the medical staff and speak with people involved. Leon is a club that is very close to my heart, but I want to play in Europe. It's been a long time since I played in the Champions League and I miss it. Obviously, these things are complicated, but these are my targets and that is what I want. Put simply, does this make Mikel Arteta's decision for him? If Arsenal miss out on the top four, according to what Lacazette is saying here, he won't stay. But if Arsenal do make top four, does this say to Arteta that here is a guy who is club captain, taken over from a previous club captain who was also fond of an interview and a criticism, that he should get shot of Lacazette? <laughs> I think it's the Arsenal captain curse, isn't it? Striking again because Aubameyang said it. Xhaka had trouble before him, um, and you could probably go back even further than that with uh, with Arsenal captains that have said weird things and, and brought the time at the club to an end. But thing is that you mentioned there about if Arsenal miss out on the Champions League, will Lacazette want to leave? Like that insinuates that it's, that it's Lacazette's. Uh, um, choice. I would. I would probably argue that in the last three or four years, Lacazette hasn't hasn't done enough to warrant his um, his wage, his his squad role, and his future at Arsenal. It's recency bias with him, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but 
yeah, he's you know he's played all right in the last sort of since um, since January. Then again, even more recency bias. If you look at his performances in the last two or three games, they've not been not been good enough. He doesn't score enough goals as a centre forward, and I think Arsenal have got the perfect opportunity this summer to just wipe everything clean in terms of attacking options. I think they've got the defence kind of settled. They've got the goalie who they can have for the next six or seven years or ten years if everything goes well. I think the midfield needs a little bit of work, but the attacking part of that midfield and the wide part is is perfect. It is fine. Um, and then that leaves the strikers. You know, you've got rid of Aubameyang. Um, you've did all right without him. Lacazette's not scoring enough goals. The combined wages of them two, you're probably talking half a million a week between Lacazette and Aubameyang once they've um, once they've both gone. So half a million quid a week to go and get two other strikers with whatever budget you've got is is a massive opportunity. If they can go and get Alex Isaac from, from Real Sociedad, I think that's a fantastic move. If they can pry Calvert-Lewin away from Everton, um, I think that would be a decent move. But just go and start again. Go and sign two, two other strikers. Don't get caught up on this, you know, or Lacazette, we need him because he's been here for years. You know, if anything, Aubameyang leaving and 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 Arsenal going on a a three month unbeaten run um, to to reignite the hopes of, of finishing fourth is probably proof that you can't, uh, you know, you, you're not guaranteed success with with what you've become used to over the years. So, if I was them, I'd be relishing the challenge of going and getting two two new strikers in the summer and then making a proper go of it next season with a striker that can turn in, you know. 12 to, to 18 goals a season next season I think I've cracked it Arteta if you're listening if Lacazette leaves word on the street is there's a fella at Dortmund who wants out this summer <laughs> go for him all that money that you're saving from Lacazette's wages just just go for it that's my tip there's a fella at Dortmund that is a, a fan of banging in a goal Manchester City are apparently interested in him but go <laughs> for it Arteta that, that's that's what I want to see at they'd have to sell the stadium and move back to Highbury bring it on bring it on I'll, I'll name I'll name Highbury the Erling Haaland stadium if, if we get Haaland into it to Arsenal this summer right uh, before we wrap up um, that bit of trivia on United's goals from 1999 something for you to hang on to Joel for the final few weeks of the season 67 goals in all competitions for Andy Cole Dwight York and Ol- sorry 67 goals for Sadio Mane Mo Salah and Diogo Jota so far United three of Cole, York and Solskjaer are beating them as it stands, 71. So they need to score five more combined goals between now and the end of the campaign to beat them. So it's not just the treble and the quadruple that's on the line, it's Andrew Cole's pride as well. So that's that's what we're looking at between now and the end of the season. Right, we're going to call it there for today's edition. Marley, Joel, as always, thank you for your time. Cheers, guys. I just <coughs> want to you, say mate. that um, apologies to, to Joel because that was probably the... Uh, the worst podcast in terms of topics about how Liverpool are, are going to smash them, about how City are going to get Haaland, and then how about Arsenal are going to going to come strong next season. So I know I should have left my alarm clock just ringing <laughs> and just snoozed it until after ten o'clock today. I don't know why I've even come out. What was this? It was just if I can't suffer any more from this hay fever, I can suffer even more from a football club. But <laughs> I'm glad I'm not on tomorrow anyway. Put it that way. <laughs> 
Well, uh, we are we are back indeed tomorrow. Joel's having the day off tomorrow, but you know, hope springs eternal. I think it's Niall, Ian, and Matt Pidd who are on on Wednesday's edition. They could be talking about a famous Manchester United win at Anfield. You never know; could happen, or it could be another nil nil. Either way, we'll be back tomorrow and all the way until the end of the season. So up the top, hit subscribe. You know what to do by now, and you can get access to a new show as soon as it's ready. Thanks for listening, and we'll speak to you again very very soon. Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk.